Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Busted Header. Uh, I'm not your usual voice here because Webster is off on a at a bachelor party, I think, of all things. So uh, we're not missing anything, really, because I've brought in Tyler Mormon to help us break down some of the draft and free agency reactions. How are you doing, Tyler? Good, man. Good. How are you doing? How did you feel on draft night? That's all that really matters, right? Uh uh, I mean, people that have followed me, they saw my tweets. Uh, I didn't like it that much past Cade. I quickly saw it wasn't a popular opinion. But, I mean, tease their own. <laughs> so, leading into draft night, did you think there was going to be any chance that it wasn't Cade at number one? No, not really. Until the last couple days, I started hearing these reports and stories how Mobley had like a secret workout or something with the Pistons that they didn't let out and he killed it. And it was supposedly they got a little mixed up, but it's Cade Cunningham. You have to eventually stay with the true potential. Right, right. And I, I'd also heard that like uh, Jalen Green had had like some incredible workout. And I was like, well, of course, he's a freak athlete and like a great shoot. Like, of course, he's going to do great in one on nothing workouts. He's going to kill it. But uh, I was definitely like a little nervous. I'm not gonna, like that whole morning. It was like stomach in knots. And it was like a good kind of nervous. Like I was kind of excited to be nervous about the draft. But it was when, when we got that Woj tweet like two hours ahead of the I draft. I hated like, that. Okay, kinda. I'm, I'm actually kind of good with this. <laughs> Yeah, I was okay with it just for the relief, but at the same time, I kind of wanted that like excitement of when they actually call his name. Like, yes, it's true. But I definitely had that with with Killian last year, where like uh, I think I was on a call with Webster at that point, and we were talking, and I don't think I saw it like beforehand. It was like at number seven, Killian Hayes, and I was like, "What? <laughs> that, that was my guy." Yeah, I was uh, I was watching the spoilers on that draft, and I was sitting there antsy, like he's still there, he's still there. And then right? before I could refresh it, I saw my uh, notifications light up, and that's when I was like, "Oh, we got him!" <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, I, I said it early, and it's still true. Like this is two years in a row now where the Pistons have like drafted my guy, and that feels great. It feels yeah. really, really good. So we get to to Cade. We get the uh, the buffs and you know the interviews. That man kills interviews. He's awesome at interviews. It's His so PR natural, fantastic. It doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel like a routine that he's practiced. It he just goes off the cuff. It feels like he truly says what he feels, and that's such a lovely feeling to see somebody speak so highly of the city and the future and be genuine yeah, about I, it. I I'd be fascinated to know like did he. Uh, was he into like all this Detroit stuff beforehand? Was his PR team like the whole year like prepping him? Like how much of this was like you're about to go to Detroit or there's like a 30% chance you're going to Detroit. So let's get you ready for this, you know, because yeah. obviously he's just like in, you know, he's, he's got all the in culture references and stuff down. Uh, that's pretty cool. So you mentioned it. We go into the second round. First, we get the Plumley trade. We get news of that. How did you feel about the Plumlee trade? 
Before pick 37 happened and JT Thor got taken, <laughs> I didn't mind it at all. And then when I seen JT Thor got taken at 37, it hurt a little bit because that was by far probably my that favorite winning prospect. I was like, oh. And then if you go on ESPN a couple days ago, Nick Hankel tweeted it. They, uh, If you pull up his profile, it says Pistons, and it has the big Pistons logo, and yeah. it's such a heartbreaker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's well, and it still does, I think, because that was our pick. So I think until the trades went through, can we change that? Like the, by the way, can we change it's, the hats? It's crazy. The it's kid cra- shouldn't I, have to put on a hat when he knows this isn't my team, and like it's just so ridiculous. It was probably my favorite part of like not trading the number one pick, which I never really thought was in play for the Pistons. But like, it would have sucked to see Cade there in a Pistons hat and then him be like a Rockets player. I didn't like, even it think been about the worst. that. I didn't even think Feeling. about that. Yeah, that's awful. But, uh, we, that didn't happen. So, yeah, I was in the same boat where I think you probably saw the the chart I tweeted out at the, on draft day where it was like the difference between those two picks is like a 2% chance of drafting an NBA player. Like it's nothing of value. Does it, Like I'm also a big JT Thor guy. That definitely was like, damn it! Like you couldn't have just taken it one pick. Like if he'd, if he'd gone thirty nine, would not have cared. But we get to uh, was it forty two? Yeah, and it's Isaiah Livers. How'd you feel about Livers? I understand it. Uh, how did I feel? I hated it. That's how I felt. But how do I feel <laughs> now? I've learned that I understand it. The shooting, it's great. But Kessler Edwards was right there. And I am a huge Kessler Edwards guy, so it hurts so bad. Plus Sharif Cooper, I would have loved either of those two over him. But it is it one of those things where you're like Kessler Edwards is like two tiers above Isaiah Livers. You know how how big was the gap there for you? Maybe two tiers is a bit much, but at least one like, healthy like was tier. It, was it like like you know passing on Donovan Mitchell for Luke Kennard? We all love Luke Kennard, but like to me, in the moment, right then, I was like, I had Donovan Mitchell like significantly rated higher going into that draft. It was a pretty clear, clear thing. Whereas, like, I'm trying to think of an example of like two things that were pretty similar. Like for for me, Kessler Edwards and Isaiah Livers is like they're, they're both in the same tier. They do the same thing. I think Kessler Edwards probably graded out a little higher, but I didn't mind it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I... I would can, say probably can go into the next two picks, right? And like those two picks are just like really terrible grades for me. Oh man! And Livers, Livers was just like a B minus, C plus. Like it, it's a position of need. Maybe there were better players at that position, but I'm pretty sure Isaiah Livers is an NBA player, so it's not the worst thing in the world. So do you buy into when people are saying that the main reason they drafted him is for the cruise, the main attraction of the cruise? Everyone's going to come see the U of M kid. Now they're going to fill the seats out. I don't think he spends much time on the cruise, no. Honestly, like, it's a huge position of need to have that wing cover on the team, especially with, like, I don't trust Josh Jackson at all. And I think Isaiah Livers is the kind of guy that you can play in, like, actual close games and kind of trust. So I, I actually think he'll be – no. Do I buy that, like, John Beeline was maybe in uh, – Troy Weaver's ear a little bit. Yeah, I buy that 100%. Yeah. <laughs> that was absolutely happening. Uh, no, the Luca Garza, I buy as being the the guy that they send to the 
the uh, the crews. I can't believe it, man. We actually drafted Luca Garza. Now, shout out to Frank Garza. He's made me a slight Luca Garza fan. That is one of the best dads in the world. He is the best <laughs> PR man ever. He's not landed on my timeline yet. Oh, you just—he's on my timeline at least once a day after he drafted him. He's like, "Dear Detroit," and he tags like eight people in Pistons Twitter. Allow me to show you my son's pick and pop skills, and it's just him and his son, twenty threes in a row, just him and passing them out. It's lovely. I do love that. That is that is great. I just, how, okay, he had this uh, this thing in in the uh press conference the other day where it's like i lost 30 pounds to try and get better at at being an nba big man a do you buy that b do you buy that that actually makes him a better big man i mean uh i'm gonna buy it because i need as much hope in luca garza as i can so i'll take whatever i can get he looks slimmer i don't know maybe 30 pounds is a bit exaggerated that's a lot uh i wouldn't say helps him as a big man per se and like the post or bully ball or anything but hopefully it helps him laterally a little bit quicker uh defensively moving his feet a little bit better i'm just worried like i don't know if he changed his flexibility like flexibility is is what really matters right it's it's flexibility to open your hips flexibility in the in the uh the ability to bend and move and like he's one of the stiffest players you'll ever see on defense the the line they had where it was like his iq will help uh you know make up for his his uh, deficiencies on defense. It was like, no, no, it won't. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's got deficiencies that are pretty bad. But I was like, I'm kind of worried that, like, now you're not going to be able to post up the way you used to. And maybe that was, like, punishing switches was, like, a, a valuable thing for you. Uh, I think he just sees that his value is in his ability to spread the floor. So he's going to try and maximize that potential as much as possible. Uh, going back to his dad, he tweeted out uh, the main reason he was such a post player is because the Big Ten style forced him into that, and that's not the true player that he is, and then he's a stretch big and all this. So maybe this is what Luca's always wanted to do, and he just hasn't been in the right system. Okay. I could buy that a little bit. Uh, it's it's kind of refuted by the fact that you played for Fran McCaffrey, who is yeah. like, yeah, just offense. I don't care what it is. <laughs> Put the ball in the hoop. We'll figure out defense. Well, we won't figure out defense. Just get, just get back on offense. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, He's I, one of the coaches that I would like, you'd love to play for the most. And also like you hate coaching your team the most because you just know you're never going to win anything of significance with him. But yeah, just buckets. Uh, it hurt more too with Charles Bassey going right there at 53 and then uh, Sandro Mamouk. I'm not going to try and say the last of his names. And, <laughs> and then Jericho Sims at 58, uh, even right after Balsa. Uh, I'm a big Scotty Lewis guy too. So yeah, there was so many people right there that I would have rather had. But I'm going to support him. He's in our jersey now. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, how did you feel? Like, did you watch any Balsa Koprovica? going into this was he on your radar at all or was no. he just like a guy in scotty barnes highlights not at all to be honest i thought he was a foreign overseas player at first when i saw the name because after the I literally pick, tweeted oh there's the there's the draft and stash guy yeah, and i was after like wait the Levers pick i was hot and i get up for work at 3 a.m so i was like i'm going to bed and i woke up i was like please give me one of the guys that i spent months 
scouting. And then I just see Luca Garza's face smiling at me. The Pistons select. I'm like, this can't be real. <laughs> and it was like, Balsa Copravica. And I felt like Michael Rappaport when he drafted Porzingis. I'm like, who is Tingus Tingus? <laughs> like, oh, no. I, I literally tweeted, oh, there's the draft and stash guy. And then I was like, wait a minute. I know this name. And I go back and I like Google the name. I was like, wait a minute. This is that Florida State guy that was like the new Taco Fall. Like they kept talking about him like he was some freak. Now he's only like 7'2", maybe. Do you think like the, wingspan, but like, do you think the Montverde connection with Cade played anything into them taking him? I have no idea. That, that one is like, I buy it, but also, I don't know. I, I looked at the film for him and I was like, okay, I see a big man who like, He's got a little bit of like rim running potential, and he's a little more fluid than I expected for a big man. But also, basically, every scout is like, Yeah, he wasn't on my board. Like, he just wasn't there. And it's like everyone was watching him because they were watching Scotty Barnes. So, like, it's not like he was some, some guy who played in like Colorado for like a D2 school and nobody really saw him. Like, he was on the radar for people yeah nobody seems to love him so it's a it's a weird one for sure and not uh, i think we're gonna see him in summer league it's they say that he'll be on the roster as soon as the trade goes through but yeah, that'll be definitely a thing where it's like they said stu's not move? playing officially right in summer league stewart Stu? yeah. yeah no no, no. Uh, so i think it sounds like his his foot would be okay if they really cared about it but they don't and i don't blame him that sounds fine to me so We'll get a heavy dose of balsa and a heavy dose of Garza. and I love it. I can't wait. <laughs> Do they go undefeated? Uh, I hope, man. Uh, first game, the big matchup is going to be balsa and Garza versus Poku, the battle of the unicorns. So let's see, man. <laughs> oh, I did not. I was not thinking about Poku. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, Chris Smith, did you ever watch anything of him? A little bit, but I didn't dive into him like to no. say anything of a serious opinion about him as a player. No, I liked what I saw of him in like the little clips, but obviously he's still uh, rehabbing. It sounds like we're not going to see him at summer league either. So, uh, you a Petty fan, fan? John Petty? Um, no. <laughs> yeah, I. It was one of those things where I was watching uh, uh, the Cleveland kid. Um, mm, I can't the, think. The guard on, in Cleveland uh, for the Cavs. Sexton? Garland? Sexton. Sexton. So watching Sexton at Alabama, and it was Petty's rookie year, and I was like, okay, I, he's a wing shooter or whatever. And then watching uh, Kyra Lewis last year, I was like, okay, he's still a wing. Like, I just – he does nothing for me. Like, it's just a wing yeah. shooter that I don't really trust, like – He's not Isaiah Livers. You know, it's, it's like I don't trust him in the way that I trust other people. He's maybe a little more athletically dynamic, but. I was really uh, hoping we were going to get uh, Justin Champagne, uh, but the Raptors grabbed him up. That was probably my favorite UDFA target. Yeah, and there, I mean, I'd be interested to know how many people they called, too, because, like, it sounds like this was a draft, like, um, who's the Gonzaga wing? Uh, Ayayi? Um, yeah, Joel Ayayi. And. Um, the other guy the Lakers picked up. It sounds like both of those guys were like, no, no, don't draft me. I want to go where I want to go. Yeah, Rees. It sounds like that was a thing that happened several times uh, this draft, maybe a little more often than usual. So 
I'd be interested to know who they called and who they talked to. You know, maybe at 57, the Koprovitz pick, you know, maybe they just didn't get the the okay from anyone they cared about. So, Hi, Where are you at in Jericho Sims versus Koprovitz? I love Sims. Oh, uh, yeah. I love Sims. Me too. Okay. I, give, give me the guy that jumps out of the gym and finishes everything and has great hands. I don't care if you he can't. You really don't have that much of an oop threat for Killian or Cade either. It's Koprovitz is now, like, your best one. Unless you really think that uh, – um, Kelly Olenek is going to like get off the floor much because he has at times he's been used that way at times, but I don't see it. So yeah, I mean, the, uh, the, the, the Koprovica, like he, he does have a little bit of that, like one, two step burst in the lane to finish lobs and stuff. And obviously he's gigantic, but yeah, yeah I've seen some clips from the timeline. He's got some strides when he rim runs, but. And he's he's got good balance and, and like he does have better flexibility. Like he is significantly more flexible than uh, than Luca Garza is. Yeah, he's like, like a I, modern I Bulbon. He's like if you take Bulbon's build and then modernize it, and it's kind of like a little bit, yeah. Also, all right. Who was the guy in the draft? Uh, I think you probably said it, but was who was the guy that like you thought was the biggest miss? Was it uh, Kessler Edwards? Was it? Um, uh, Sharif Cooper, who was the guy where you were just like, I cannot believe he got past us? It's probably Kessler Edwards, but I mean, if I can really spice it up, it was the missing on moving up, man. For like the yeah. prices that I saw people moving up for and these players that were falling, I'm sitting there. We, I mean, I guess it's just chatter, right? But the chatter around the team for most of the draft was they're not going to sit with these picks. They're going to move up. They're going to go after it. Yeah. And I sit here and I watch the guy that I'm in love with, Jaden Springer, fall all the way to 28. Yeah. After I just I watched. I was a huge Springer guy, but, like, I still, at that point, you got to, you know, Jared Butler was another one where it's like, at that point, you just have to pull the trigger. Somebody has yeah, to pull the Jared trigger. Jared Butler is the heart, man. Yeah. I guess it's scaring a lot of people. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what that uh, actually ended up being. Obviously, I think that uh, medical thing they they pulled is basically only for heart stuff. But uh, it's it's a weird thing to just like let basically the best actual point guard in the draft just kind of fall and fall and fall forever until forty. The Jazz is a great place for him, though. It'll be great for them. Yeah. So free agency. Kelly Olenek, how, how did you feel? Because I, I just hate the guy. I hate the guy, but, but I kind of really like the player. Like, for the <laughs> fit, he's a dirtbag, but I mean, he's... I, I, it's just like having Zaza. Like, I just, I don't, I don't want to root for that. Except this guy can hit threes, and Zaza <laughs> couldn't do a whole lot. I think... Zaza can hit people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean... Uh, Nakias Duncan tweeted when the signing happened, and he said, Cade and uh, Olenek PNR is going to be up at the top of Synergy, and a lot, a lot of people are going to be confused. But I think he's a really efficient pick-and-pot big man. And... He's he's had some, like, up and down. Like, he's he's been pretty streaky with some of the shooting at times. I'll be interested to see, like, does he – like, obviously, I think the Rockets' numbers from last year were just ridiculously inflated because they just basically – like, Kelly Olenek could be the number one option for – 45 games. It was yeah. like, that's, that's wild. 31 Please minutes, don't. I think, he was playing. <laughs> uh, 
But like, if he still shoots thirty nine percent from three, like that's that's really good. If he's back down to like the thirty six percent, thirty five percent that he has some seasons, uh, I'll be interested to see. Like, does he still have grass? Because there's been like times in the playoffs, especially. And I, I don't think it will matter as much for the Pistons this year, but like people have just been like, ah, screw it, leave Kelly Olynyk open, and he has not been able to make him pay. Yeah, I mean, so, I think the hope is that he does stick around at thirty nine percent because that's spacing that he can provide when the defense has to respect a big that can step out or a big that's lingering outside can really help somebody like Killian or Cade, who's really efficient at getting the first couple steps on a drive and then looking around where's the pass, give him a lot more spacing. Yeah, I I definitely was hoping for the rim runner. Just I think for for guys like Killian and Cade that are uh, like they they tend to be like more probing drivers. You know, they don't they're not first step to the rim kind of players. And I just feel like guys who have that and then have like the roller who's just kind of rolling right next to them gives them a little better tempo in in their pick and roll than the the pick and pop because the pick and pop it's really either you get to the rim or the pop guy's open or you're just like jump stopping and throwing it out and resetting. There's not really the same kind of tag and, um, you know, there's, there's not the same kind of complexity of, of reads that you have in, in a, a standard rim run. So it's, it's still disappointing to me that they don't have that, but then they go and they get Trey Lyles. <laughs> How did you feel about Trey Lyles? Uh, I hated the signing as the player, and then after I saw the tweet where he said Detroit like a <laughs> top something worst city of all time for basketball, it's like, well, why'd you sign here? Like, it's gonna be so hard for me to root for you now, man. I think there should be a fine. Just like, okay, we, you know, you're you're two years five million, but you're also like you don't want to be here, so there's like a two million dollar fine for that. There's, yeah, you know, he's got to pay a tax. I mean. I'd rather have Tyler Cook, if I'm going to be honest. I'd rather have Tyler Cook. Just plain and simple. I, I, I thought Tyler Cook was pretty overrated. Like, there were a lot of people that acted like Tyler Cook was the savior last year. I was like, guys, he, he just stood in the dunker spot and dunked. And he's good at dunking, but like he didn't We need a dunker. Anything. You know, I, I, I probably would have just taken Tyler Cook. I think it's a it's a wash because I don't care really about Much either one of them. Much cheaper. I mean, I guess yeah. the, Lyle's contract isn't huge. Did we find out if both years are guaranteed? I never... I have not. I have not heard that. I did hear that the Chris Paul contract, the second year is like, or the third year is only guaranteed for like $5 million, and the third year is a full option, team option, which totally changed my opinion about that one, let me tell you. <laughs> on yeah. on uh, the, that first day of free agency, I was like, they, they gave Chris $120 million <laughs> at 37 <laughs> Yeah, I can't believe he turned down the 40 but uh, 44 whatever his option was. Yeah, yeah. I, but I guess if you're guaranteed 60 65 plus maybe a little longevity so we also haven't heard Saban Lee's back we haven't heard Saban Lee's numbers either I'm assuming you were pretty cool with bringing Saban back yeah Saban was somebody I was irate when we drafted I'm not gonna lie I was a huge Grant Riller guy last year I'm like there's no way we did not take Riller and then I didn't even hear a peep from Riller and Saban's putting people on posters so I have to immediately apologize (laughs) yeah I uh, Saban Lee, I have to say, I don't know if you follow uh, Cosmos or he's now uh, Draft Brian on Twitter, but uh, he was one of the guys where 
I'd follow him and he'd just like tweet things about Saban Lee randomly, just like during the season about like, oh, Saban Lee just murdered a man. And I was like, okay, you know, like I didn't really watch him. I didn't really care that much. And it was just like, okay. And so when we drafted him, I was like, okay, this is the guy that Brian was like going crazy about randomly throughout the season. And you queue up the highlights and you're like, oh my God. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, who is this? And I looked up, he's putting up like 30, 40 points like, with Vanderbilt on people just straight driving, going to the line. Right, right. Just uh, like the most ridiculous shin angle I've ever seen out of a prospect, him and, and Kyra Lewis, just like knees touching the ground when they drive. It's ridiculous. He had the second most drives out of anyone in the league last year. Uh, Saban did? Yeah. Wow. I think per 36, it was uh, – I can't believe I'm forgetting the name. and It's, it's going to be embarrassing that I forgot the name because it's a really obvious guy. Um but yeah, it, like he was that high, just per thirty six, just always in the paint. His first step I'm is crazy. It's it's incredible. The shooting form is is <laughs> a catapult. It's, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it hits sometimes <laughs> when he's feeling himself. It'll it'll fall. The uh, ha- having him defensively was also a big positive. Like a guy who legitimately could get up in you and and create some offense out of defense turnovers too. You know, like what if Ish Smith was actually like long and played defense? Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I see an NBA role for that. I'll be interested to hear what he actually got paid. Cause we obviously, I, I don't think we've seen the numbers yet, but uh, I assume it's probably going to be pretty close to the minimum. Yeah. Know, one and a half million a year or something like that for three years, probably some heavy optioning and non-guaranteed stuff in there. Uh, how'd you feel about Dave getting released? Huh? And so, then coming um, back for summer league. <laughs> yeah, same with Tyler Cook. That's weird, huh? Um, I wasn't really the biggest Dave guy because uh, even though he was a piece of work, I was a pretty huge KPJ guy. So I was sitting there not really watching. I'm like, oh, Kevin Porter, fellas, we're going to take Kevin Porter. And then I like see that we're paying all these picks to move off. And so I was always kind of like, oh, Dave. But then last year he became kind of, a meme, uh, something, you know, a light uh, in the darkness for our season, and it kind of sucked, but I understand it. I I am really hoping that he just, like, absolutely blows up Summer League, and then we have to cut Ja to bring him back. That's my grand plan. <laughs> just cut Ja, cut no ja. matter what. Just cut Ja for the roster spot, and then bring Dave back. Because I don't want Ja anywhere near here, and I love Dave. Yeah. I, I was, like, really interested when that pick happened. I was like, yes, I love this kid. I watched, like, his under-17s tournament or whatever that he played for Nike way back, and I was like, this kid plays like Luke Kennard. He's three inches taller. And then we got, like, four games of him. Yeah. <laughs> he had that one game, though. He came over for that summer league that year and was like, oh, this kid is sticks. He's, yeah. he's just, like, yeah. zero muscle. When he came back this year, I was like, oh, he looks like an NBA player. And then we never, we never saw him again. He's going to be good this year in summer league. Take my word for it. He's like actually got muscle. He's up to like 230 now. It's going to like bully some people. It's going to be great. I love it. <laughs> He's also absolutely going to get a crossover that puts somebody on their butt. Because that guy has handles for a tall player. Uh, come back to this moment in this pod, folks, because it's not happening. <laughs> he is. I, I swear. that He was like a primary ball handler as a kid. That was the thing. It was like when we drafted him, all the draft footage was like of this guy – Primary ball handler, great first step, and then just like in the corner the whole time as a pro because obviously he's a tall shooter. And it's just like no, 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 no. there's something there. I trust <laughs> me, I see it. <laughs> uh, uh, another former piston. What do you think about Svi getting released or not the qualifying offer from the Thunder, unrestricted? I 
Uh, it's weird. I, I think probably – I think they just decided, like, he doesn't fit their profile. But, like, I think Svee's an NBA player for sure. Like, I, He's streaky, he's, man. He's streaky, but, like, all you have to do is have him come around to DHO and he makes, like, good, simple passes. He's improved as a passer every year. And, like, I think the shooting will come back to him. Like, he was awesome last year, terrible – or awesome the year before, I guess, and, like, terrible last year. Who's to say he won't be back to, like, 38 40% this year? Like, if yeah. he's streaky, you know, it's just, like, get him the right off season and I don't know if he's signed anywhere, but I'm sure he'll get picked up. Yeah, I, I can't believe, like – I guess maybe he'll get an offer. Like, I can totally see him going to Spain. You know, like he's got yeah. a, a game that I think translates internationally really easy. He'll immediately be like a really athletic player relative to that competition. So I can buy that. You know, he might get four million a year over there, and maybe not here. But I think he's definitely an NBA player. Was there any other like free agent move that just like shocked you? Mm. Shocked me? Uh, not really. I mean. There's guys that got signed places like uh, Zach Collins going to the Spurs. I think is pretty interesting. Just to that see, was, like, that was funky at that money too. They gave him three funky. years too, which was weird to me. I figured a guy, the last one I think is an option, but still, I'd give him a one year prove it deal that you can at least even play ten games for me. Yeah, I mean, I think fourteen million of it is guaranteed. That's a lot of money for yeah. for a guy who just hasn't been on the court. That's, that's I mean, such you, a common narrative for Portland. Well, if Zach Collins gets back in, he can help Nurk. Well, if that's just Portland, who has done basically nothing all offseason. Oh, I feel so bad for Dave. Game came out. It's like where we're at. It's not going to work. We have to get better. X Y Z. And they're like, here's Ben McLemore. Ah, like, oh, dude. <laughs> Tony Snell. I like Tony Stell for him, but yeah. I mean, he's yeah. not, he's not moving the needle. I like them that for them, but like, you got to find a way to like get Ben Simmons there or something. Like you, you got to be the CJ for Ben the Simmons. I, yeah. That, and CJ was Norm not like crazy. And, and his contract's pretty stiff, I think for his production, but something, I mean, some kind of perimeter it's, defense. Man. It's gonna be it's gonna be really sad if he uh, if he and Beal both go through their whole careers on those teams and like never really were a threat for a title. That's that's pretty sad. I was also like the Bulls project in general was just like okay, I get it, but also like you're not winning. Uh, yeah, I mean <laughs> you're gonna have a lot of fun, but you're not winning. <laughs> I think it might have been a little bit of carryover from last year where they kind of pushed their chips in for Vooch, right? And everyone's like, here comes the playoff push. And then it was like, what? So then they came, <laughs> he's sitting here and they're like, good job last year. And he's like, oh, yeah. And I feel like it's like, I'll show you. And he just went all in, which I loved getting Zoe. I think that was a good price to get Lonzo at, too. Yeah, I, I think the Lonzo ball, and he fits so well next to Zach Levine. Like, all, it covers all those, those cracks in Zach's game. I think that's a great one to pair. The DeRozan one, like, I see on paper, but I think that they're paying him thirty million a year. Like that's just yeah. like I don't know where they got all lot. this money, man. At all, they it's, paid Lonzo. They paid Caruso. They paid DeRozan. They have Vucevic now. Like yeah, they just money? committed like like seventy five million dollars this year, which is yeah, you're right, a lot. They I just like okay, so you're gonna play Caruso, DeRozan, Lonzo, Levine as like one through four in some order and then Vooch. And that's like your starting lineup and Patrick Williams slots in. 
Or do you, you just know, whenever he wants Lonzo, Levine, DeRozan, Patwell, right. Vooch, I guess, and then like Kobe that. White and Caruso is your bench backcourt. Like, so I guess in that system, like DeRozan's kind of your point forward and in initiating your offense, and you're hoping that Levine can play off that, and that Lonzo's just kind of handling point guard duties defensively, like. I, and what it's did you say to Kobe man. White, kind of, right? I mean, he's a young guy. He thinks he's making his way. This is his team. And they're like, we're going to get Lonzo. It's like, oh, what about me? Like, yeah. I, I think I'm about I'm not those a huge things. Kobe White guy, but he, uh, and he puts Wolverine. up a lot of shots and doesn't do a whole lot else for you. <laughs> yeah. And then marking him still. There's a lot of bumps they still have to smooth out over there. Marketing is a guy that's just kind of like okay, it might be might be time to just kind of give up on that project. As far as I'm concerned, yeah, I would have dumped Marketing and kept Wendell Carter if I'm them. Yeah, yes, yes. I love Wendell Carter Jr. He's so good. Yeah, so good. The Magic this year are going to be a fun, fun team. Yeah, that team is going to beat the crap out of everyone. That's a lot. Like whether they win, like they might only score like forty five points, but you are going to regret playing them every night. It's going to be kind of like the Heat have been at times over the last couple of years where it's like they're a team that's just like really hard to score on. They, they have nothing on offense, but you you don't want yeah, to play them. Defensively, it's going to be annoying. It's going to be like Suggs, Okiki, Isaac, or I mean, I don't know. They have so many wings and RJ Hampton, Cole Anthony, Markel Fultz. Like, you're going to be like, okay, uh, Jonathan Isaac went to the bench. I don't have to play against a DPOY anymore. It's like, oh, it's, his replacement's Franz Wagner. Like, yeah. And Franz isn't like that level of like in your face defender, but it's just like, oh right, I, I still can't like pass to that side of the floor. <laughs> great, thanks. Yeah, they That's... had a great draft, honestly, man. Getting Suggs in. Franz. It's too bad because like they're one of those teams where it's just like something about the Magic jersey and something about just like Orlando is like I don't want to watch that. <laughs> I don't I don't know what it is. I've never really been like, oh, you know what? Going through like the league pass list and been like, you know what? Orlando's the team tonight. I'm gonna watch some Orlando. Yeah, it never happens. I don't mind watching a good Terrence Ross game every once in a while. That's true. He is he is fun. The uh, the king of the under the basket like reverses for no reason. Yeah, he loves that. All right, looking forward, we have I think one roster spot open, and uh, one two way spot open. How do how do you feel? Like this should because I think the the problem is. They haven't signed Garza, Koprovica, Frank Jackson, or Hamadou Diallo yet. How, how do you think that's going to go down? So, wait, they only have one open roster spot, and the they, none they, of them? They, have, they might have – I think they have two rosters. I think they can fit both the the restricted guys if they want them, but then there's only one of the two-way spots. Like, one of the two – one of Garza or Koprovica is going to have to, like, take a preferred G League deal. Yeah, I mean – I definitely want Frank and Hami both back. Uh, not on two ways either. I think Frank, we gave him a two way last year, and he earned a full contract. He deserves that. I think so too. Uh, I guess you just send Luca. I don't know. Do you want the shooting or do you want the possibility of the rim running? I think you just sit on your hands for summer league and see which one you like better, and then just roll the dice. Sure. What's what's the the number? For Hami, for you. Uh, 
who was it that just got paid? Taylor Horton Tucker got what eleven, right? I think something like that. Yeah. So nine to ten. I don't see him get paid more than THT. I just yeah. That's so. That's the full mid level is right around that ten million mark. Now we don't need to use the MLE obviously on him, but like that's just the measuring stick. Is do you make more than the mid level? I. I have a hard time seeing his current value as is being more than like four million, right? Like what he did last year wasn't really worth that much. So you're you're paying a lot to like get the potential and like trust your system and and you know hope that you know you give him three years at at eight million a year. You're hoping that you know year three he's worth you know sixteen. I don't think he's, he's close to a ceiling yet. I think he still has a lot of potential to grow though. Oh, I agree. It's just a question of can you can you get him there? Because I, I look at him and I'm like, okay, he so much of the stuff makes sense if he plays off shooting, right? If he suddenly becomes a guy who like is reliably a 36 to 38 percent shooter who can pull it off the bounce a little bit, like all the other stuff clicks into place. But I just like if he makes big strides as uh, as a driver and um, like starts to be a playmaker, like. If he becomes your budget DeMar DeRozan, like the guy who like really doesn't shoot threes like the way he was in Toronto, but like gets to the rim, what is that worth? Do you want to pay ten million for that to be your fourth guy, your fifth guy? Like, I, I mean, know, even even if he's good at that, what is that actually worth if you want to be a playoff competitor team? I, I'm not the biggest fan of like painting the worst picture and then being like, is it worth that? If it's that, I think you pay this just really hoping that he does get that shot up a little bit more. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't want to say I'm painting the worst picture. Cause like, it's just, yeah, I get what you're it, saying. Like, there's, there's a, the worst picture is like, he doesn't develop at all. And he just remains this enigma forever. That's, you know, kind of like Josh Jackson is just like weird for his whole career and everyone wants it and nobody figures it out. I'm just like wondering if, if the shooting is the thing that never clicks, like if he gets great on defense and great, you know, just what is that worth? Do you think that you like, even, even if we set aside the monetary value, you know, what is that worth to you when you're thinking about constructing a, a, a competitor, a playoff team? If he becomes a great defender, like elite isn't great, or like I feel like every good team needs their Tony Allen. If you're going to compete, you need that guy who's just a head buster to bring up the podcast name. It's just not afraid to go get it. And if (laughs) Hami can do that, then I'm willing to pay that. If he can make his defense up to where if you're looking on a scale, the defense starts to outweigh the low levels of three-point shooting, then I think you kind of have to. But I'd also like to preface this with saying during his draft year, I wrote multiple pieces saying, let's go draft Hamadou Diallo. I love this kid. So I'm a bit biased. (laughs) I'm I'm glad you uh, disclosed your biases here. It's important. Honestly. I I don't have much else, I think, to talk about. But you you brought up something that I want to run by. My theory has always been like everyone always tells you like good offense is better than good defense, right? And like you just, and my thing has always been like really, like sixty to seventy percent of the game is played off of defense. Like you spend half your time either defending, defending in transition, or running 
in transition off your defense. And I'm just how much do you value players who maybe aren't elite offensive players, but who are like disruption causing defensive players? Quite a bit, man. I, I'm a, I'm an old head kind of hoop watcher. I love my defensive guys. Last year, I was scouting Vassal and Pat Williams, and I was like, "Who's this guy?" And I became, I fell in love with Trent Forrest just because he was the disruptor. So I think it is pretty big, but it's not something where you have to go and overpay or ruin your roster construction to get. But I think solid defense at least is a bare minimum requirement. This this last finals was like a big win for me stylistically because it was like look at the Bucks the Bucks can't score at all like it's Chris Middleton pulling something out of a hat or it's them running off their defense and it's like all those people who are like good offense beats good defense you were wrong because the Suns were awesome offensively the Bucks shut it down completely like they were even better defensively and they just ran in transition and got like half their points in transition. And I, I wonder if that'll be a a little bit of a shift uh, for for the NBA. It's like, oh right, we if you if you want to value that, you know, you don't have to have Steph Curry and Draymond Green, you know, running the, the most crazy pick and rolls and, and one two game. You know, can you build a different way? Because obviously we've seen everyone try and be, you know, this hyper fluid everyone shoots, everyone passes offense, and it's gotten even crazy. And it's like, are we going to finally see the shift away from that? You do know, because it isn't. Do you think the Miami Heat looked at the Bucks last year and started moving towards that, exactly what you're saying, picking up Lowry, who isn't garbage offensively, but is grit, and he's in your face, and he's constant. You maxed out Jimmy Butler. You went and got P.J. Tucker. You got some dogs. I... <laughs> you got some dogs. I – I think the Heat always wanted to be there in the first place. So, like, I don't think they, they saw the Bucks and were like, let's do what the Bucks did. I think they're like, damn, the Bucks stole our playbook. Like, uh, I also kind of think that that uh, P.J. Tucker is, like, washed, like, really badly washed and was not good in the playoffs for large stretches. And Pat Conton probably should have played, like, 30 minutes a night. So, it's hard to, like, judge the team that won the title, but also P.J. Tucker was picked on pretty relentlessly. And that's where most of Evan Booker's offense came from. So Yeah, I mean, I hate, hate, hate that the Heat let Jay Crowder walk. I wish they would have accepted him. silly. I mean, silly. he's the one of the biggest keys to why Phoenix was making it on these runs. When he hits streaks like that, it's crazy. Well, that's what, you know, there's a lot of prospects out there where I'm like, this is the guy you hope? that you draft and you hope he's Jay Crowder. Like Isaiah Livers is kind of like, it's like, yeah, he may not have star potential, but Jay Crowder turns playoff series. Like that's, you you know, every team needs like three of those guys if you really want to contend. And, you know, it's it's interesting that the NBA never seems to like value that quite as much as they probably should. There's a lot of teams where it's like, you just passed on like three straight guys who could have been, you know, just like a legitimate rotational playoff player to like try and get upside. It's the 54th pick, my dude. What are you doing? Like just, yeah, just go get the wing. Like just go get the guy that plays. I think age too is another thing. It's way overvalued. Like they're like, ooh, this 19-year-old prospect possibly or this 22-year-old very well-rounded. Like he already is just ready to plug and play and people take swings when they don't need to. 
Yeah, yes, exactly. Uh, who's the, the guy uh, from Oregon? Um, Chris Duarte? Yeah, Duarte. Where it was just like, yeah, there's going to be a lot of teams. And actually, he went higher than I think I probably expected. But it was like, there will be teams who probably passed on Duarte for something else. And they'll, they'll look back and they'll be like, damn, could have really used a Chris Duarte right now. And especially with players like that, everyone like values that first contract, right? They're like, oh, we got to get this guy first contract, lock him up for like seven years. And so they always like prioritize that potential. And it's like, no, if you get, if you get the wing, who's really good and you lock him up for seven years at just like a reasonable contract, you're in a better position than everyone else. Like yeah. the son, Michael Bridges are just like, yeah. Why did the Sixers paid. make that trade? Silly. I watched the Sixers in the last two postseasons and just picture Michael Bridges and he would be beautiful in Philly. Perfect for them. Perfect for them. And it's like your mom worked in their front office. Like this should have been easy. Or yeah. in their like ticketing yeah. office or whatever. Like this should have been easy, easy, easy. Well, real quick, I kind of forgot to bring it up earlier. What did you think of Memphis's pick? The... Uh, Zaire Williams? Yeah. I think it makes it like they're a team that just has such a great baseline, like one through five, that like, yeah, grab the guy that might actually elevate you. I think he was one of the higher upside picks for them. They're, they're not a team that needs, you know, like we were just talking about, they're a team that has a lot of those wings, that has a lot of those, um, you know, just role players. They've got the bigs. They've got a point guard. Like you just need to find someone who can be a number two option for you. And Zaire Williams, uh, I didn't watch him in high school. Obviously, I, I tend to scout college only. And obviously his college tape was, was bad. You know, there wasn't a lot there. Yeah. But like, if you believe in him or if you want to believe in him, like it makes a lot of sense for that team. I, I love the fit. I love the fit, not just for the player, but of like th- the mentality of that gamble makes a lot of sense to me. I would have went Moses Moody, but not bad. Like I, I or Moody is the guy who just like kind of fits in for them. Right. Like Moody isn't a guy I ever see being like Bradley Beal. Like, you know, like as a shooting guard prospect, I just see Moody as like uh, the 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 version of like Tim Hardaway Jr. Almost where it's like this is a dude who's just going to put up threes and like play defense and maybe he'll figure out how to pressure the rim and draw fouls. He's not a great vertical athlete, but he is great at drawing fouls. And like I don't see him as ever being anything more than like a little bit of a connective playmaker. Like I don't see him ever being a six assist a game guy. I just – I don't see him stylistically being that upside pick. And I think that from Memphis, like he'd be an upgrade over some of their players, but I don't think he changes what they are from a ceiling perspective. And I think Memphis is in a position to make those gambles. Yeah. Uh, I I think I would even like book night more there. Maybe. I mean, I, I kept going, Oh, I really like book night here. I really like book night here. And he just kept falling. Yeah, he's he's one where it's like I, you, everything you hear is that the the medicals were a concern for him. He had that that knee. Uh, I think it was his left ACL that he tore in high school. Um, and there were times on film where you'd like you'd watch him come around to DHO and like his knee would buckle a little bit, and you'd just be like, "Oh, well, that's interesting." And I just I do kind of wonder if teams were scared off by that. It, you don't want to you don't want to let prior injury history influence you too much but things like watching a guy's knee wobble a little bit you know while he's playing 
Not the that was that was a little bit of a concern for me. Like I, it wasn't something I noticed too much, but I was watching. I don't know if you've watched uh, PD Webb's uh, draft content this year. He's been awesome. Yeah, and they did a, they did a book night stream, and that was the thing where he he like brought up a clip or two, and it was like, oh yeah, no, I, immediately it was like, yeah, that knocks him down, you know, a couple spots in my board. It's like, it, it's one thing to be like. It's almost it's almost a plus to be like, oh, this dude had an ACL injury, and look how explosive he still is. Because like Book Knight is still yeah bursting as all get out, and it's another thing to be like, he's bursting as all get out, but sometimes he just like has a flat tire completely, and that was that was definitely something that that changed my opinion a little bit. Because I still love Book Knight as a as a player. Like, I think him and really Milo are going to be really fun. Yeah, and Kai yeah, Jones. Yeah. The Charlotte Hornets had a great draft too. I'm the so Hornets jealous have just of a been, lot like, of drafts. Building for pure vibes for like several years now. And I just love that for them. Like you're, you're just a team that has like great, uh, great branding. You know, you have Michael Jordan as your owner, which is just a, a fun thing. And you're just drafting like the most fun guy you can think of at every position. And I love that. The alley-oop highlights we're going to get from Kai Jones and Lamelo this year, at least two or three that are just going to be out of uh, those world. It was, it was one of those things where like, Miles Bridges goes there, and like Miles Bridges' rookie year was like okay, whatever. Like he wasn't anything special, and his sophomore year was like okay, whatever. He wasn't, and it's like oh, he's playing with Lamelo now. Miles Bridges is fucking incredible. Like, yeah, it's, he really. It's so much. Fun. It's just like immediately every athlete looks so much better when they play next to a playmaker like that. And that's you know we saw it on, on the Pistons when uh, when Killian Hayes finally came back, and like it was like oh, Seku's in transition doing transition things. Because there's just a playmaker here that like, look, that's so much fun. Like, we didn't we didn't see this for literally yeah, sixty games. And suddenly it's like, oh, look at that. <laughs> that's I, I'm I'm really hoping that Killian and Cade have that effect with uh, with Seku this year, and that uh, we manage to keep him around. Please, I hope but, so. All right, is there anything you wanted to cover? Anything you wanted to hit? No, man. Thanks for uh, having me okay. on. I, I am very grateful you came on. Uh, you are much better than, than Webster is at this. So uh, no, I will no. be looking into changing hosts uh, <laughs> any minute now. When he comes back, I've got some I've got some words for him. Uh, let people know where they can find you, where they can find any work you're making. Uh, right now, I'm just on Twitter at TMormonMBA. Uh, I'm kind of on a break from producing a lot of content. I'm still tweeting breakdowns every once in a while, but hopefully I get back at it soon. All right. He's a, a great follow. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you. Uh, the Busted Header will probably be back on its normal, irregular schedule with its normal, irregular host uh, maybe two weeks from now. So we'll see people then. Bye-bye. Today's music was made by Blank and Kit. You can find a link to their music in the description.